0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Live Well Bipolar. This is a unique episode, you guys, because I have actually met this guest in real life, which is always a pleasure when I'm able to connect in person and get to know a little bit about the stories before I bring it to the stage for all of you. And this person who I'm talking about, her name is Birdie. She is a mental health advocate writer and content creator she has written an article for the international bipolar foundation and is a speaker for nami she has made it her mission to bring awareness to mental health disorders with a comedic twist you can find her on instagram at birdies.bipolar.brain where she showcases what it's like living with bipolar 2 disorder anxiety and adhd Her goal is to help end the stigmas surrounding mental health disorders. So Birdie, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. And it was a pleasure meeting you in person. And it's going to be even more of a pleasure diving into the full realm of your stories, the ins and outs today.
1: Oh, I'm excited. And I just have to say like, dang, you are good at that intro.
0: Oh my gosh, thank you. It just gets me so pumped and so excited to really just dive into these stories. because I feel like it's so life-changing, the things that come up and the things that are said, and especially, you know, having connected with you a little bit in person and being able to see the work that you've done and everything that you've been going through the, the past couple months here as well. So what I really, I find so interesting about your story is you talk about Something that stuck out to me is you guys, I always send everyone a form to complete before we get on the podcast, just to kind of see some topics that are top of mind. And something that Birdie called out was coexisting with bipolar disorder and talking about what that means, but also we're talking about bipolar and ADHD anxiety, being a mother, being a wife, managing all these different moving pieces and also helping out and being such a great support system to her daughter who just had hip surgery. So all these things that life throws at us, right? Left, right, center, all of it. And if yep. you don't know Birdie and you're not following her, I'll have her page linked. So you can see the reels that she puts out the content that is so relatable. And I know I resonate so much with, so to kick things off here, tell me, what does that even mean to you? When you think about what does it mean to
1: coexist with bipolar? So I started kind of saying this, um, when I accepted that I have bipolar and that this is like a lifelong thing. And I needed a word something that like I could fall back on and, and coexist just kept coming up every time I'd think about it. And for a long time, like that was not my reality. Like my reality was finding any way to not have bipolar. And, and so like ignoring it, pretending it wasn't there, keeping it a secret. Like, these are all things that I was like, "Uh, no, I don't have, you know, bipolar. I'm not going to acknowledge it. And then in 2022, I had a mental breakdown and like experienced psychosis for the first time ever and it was at that point where it was like there's it doesn't matter if I want my reality to be you know no bipolar it is my reality and if I can learn to live with it then I can learn to live and coexisting is is what I do now with it it's just it's just a part of me I love that just the entire breakdown
0: of you talk about running away from it, avoiding it. I don't have it trying to to move that and shift it out of it. And you talk about 2022 coming and having that breakdown. So if you could walk us through a little bit of the timeline, right? So when did you first get your diagnosis? How old were you? How old are you now?
1: What has the progression been like for you? So I was 24, 23 or 24. It was my, my early twenties. Um, and I remember when I was diagnosed with it. So I had experienced depression on and off from a young age, as far back as I can remember. And then, um, you know, I was in, I, I remember going to a therapist and then bringing up bipolar. And I just, the first thing I thought was like, you know, it, I, I don't use this term now, obviously, but I was like, that that's what crazy people are. Like crazy people have bipolar. I was thinking of the movies, like how it's portrayed in the media. And I was like, there's no way. And I remember thinking like, I can't tell anyone. like my kids will get taken away. Like, what if my husband thinks differently of me, like my family, you know, and, and so for, I spent a decade uh, just ignoring it. And, you know, I told my husband about it and we just kind of, it was, I kept it like a dirty little secret, like, you know, and, and it was easy to hide because at the time my husband was in the military and so we didn't live around friends and families. So if I, you know, was going through a deep depression, I could hide it if I was really happy, everyone, you know, they envied this life that I was portraying online. And, and at that time I did, I was like, Oh, we're so happy. I live in this great marriage. I'm, you know, the ideal mom, there's all these things. And, and I just lived like that. And then 2022 came around and this is where, so my aunt uh, had been diagnosed with lung cancer and she, um, was in hospice care. Well, we moved her into our home, um, to, you know, finish out the remaining time she had left. And after she passed, this is when I realized that the whole time she lived with us, which was 33 days, I was hypomanic. Mm -hmm. So on the outside, everyone was like, wow, like birdies really got it together. Like she's handling everything. Well, I was administering medication to her. I was, you know, delegating all these tasks, I I really was showing people like, I've got my life together, look at me, like, in the face of death of a loved one, like I can keep it together. And then it wasn't until about a week after she passed, we were cleaning out her apartment. And something came over me, like it was full rage. And I in front of my entire family showed them a side no one had ever seen. And I was like, threatening to fight people in a parking garage, you know, outside of my aunt's apartment and my own family. And they were like, Whoa, like what is going on? And, and I kept it a secret. So of course, this is like not what I've ever shown anyone. And then at that point, I was like, I have to, I have to like, accept this. I have to learn to coexist with this. And I have to be honest with myself so that I can be honest with my family and tell them like, hey, this is what I'm living with. And I've been secretly trying to manage it on medicated, on, on all the things. And this is my reality. Wow. I feel like I relate
0: so much, especially to that. You talk about that 10 year period and the years in between, because I feel like I did the exact same thing where I would hide it. I would tell maybe like one person and it would be like, I would never want it to get out and I would try to manage it. And that moment of that breakdown, that 2022 time period for you, I remember for me, 2014, complete breakdown, psychosis, unexplainable rage, the threatening to fight, the arguments, just the going, going, going. And especially when you talk about hypomania and so many people seeing that and thinking, wow, you have it all together. And I think it's this almost like the presentation of she's doing all these things, all the things are getting done. And I feel like I had that same exact reaction and response from my therapist at the time, people around me. And it's like, you're just screaming out when you finally are able to talk about it a little bit, but that something isn't right with me. But even when you're doing that, it's almost like, well, you look like you're fine. So I'd love to ask you too, as you talk about getting the diagnosis, you said around 23, 24. I also know you talk about a little bit earlier is living with anxiety and ADHD as well. And then you open up about struggling with depression years earlier. And that's relates a lot to me because before I got my bipolar diagnosis, I was actually diagnosed with depression first. So I'd love to hear, did you get your diagnosis of anxiety and ADHD following bipolar or was that around
1: the same time or before? So it was kind of, so the depression was before and it was looking back because it's always when you're afterwards and you learn to kind of live with things that you look back at all these signs and growing up, like there were so many signs. I, I come from a family that, you know, alcoholism and addiction and, you know, uh, it really broken home. And so there was definitely signs there, but no one to catch them. And then it wasn't until I had my daughter, my first daughter, and I got pregnant at 18, had her at 19, was really struggling. And they were like, oh, you have postpartum depression. Mm. So I was like, oh, okay, I have postpartum depression. And, And at the time, of course, I didn't realize that I had bipolar. But looking back at it, I had this baby, eight months old. We leave to the military, my husband and I do. Uh or he joins. And then I immediately am like, I can't be a failure. I got to start college. So I like jump into college, have, you know, a young child, my husband's in the military. And as soon as I'm like in college, I was like, Whoa, like I, I struggled all through school. And then when I got into college is when I was diagnosed with ADHD. Mm-hmm. And cause I was, I was struggling so bad. And I was like, I know I'm not, you know, I, I'm smart, but I just couldn't figure it out. It didn't help that I was also trying to take on the world at the time. Um, But then anxiety actually ended up coming later. And it started, my husband had deployed. And I started just getting really, there were little things like worrying uh, that something was going to happen to him while he was deployed, which I was like, oh, this is normal. I'm a military spouse, this is what they do. But then it like, got progressively worse I was worried something would happen to my kids I would worry that I would like die something and Mm. it would just continue and continue until it got to the point where I would be in the store and just start profusely sweating out of nowhere and and couldn't do anything and have to leave Mm. in the middle of shopping and then it was like okay so now like you know we're gonna add on another thing because why not right and then that's when with anxiety I have had to really learn that one's actually harder for me than having like bipolar because uh, I'm an extrovert. And so I feel like the anxiety, I really struggle with that one because I feel like it kind of takes away more from me than than anything else does.
0: Right. And I feel like also being an extrovert and for me, I've never, I'd never actually got a diagnosis of ADHD or anxiety, but I remember working different jobs and I was younger. And I literally remember a boss coming out and saying that to me. She was like, do you have ADHD? Like, like, like snapping her hands (laughs) in my face. And I was like, uh, I heard that from other teachers before when I was younger, but I would always find it to be kind of funny. But looking back now, it's almost kind of sad because it's pretty insensitive and it's almost like, okay, well, if If this person does have that, what can we do to support them in the work environment, in the home, especially in your case, right? Being a new mom, having an eight month old, he goes off into the military and you're like, okay, I'm going to go to college now because I'm feeling this, this pressure inside myself, especially that failure piece. I know I relate so much Mm -hmm. to that. And I have that inner voice. It's like, even if you do all these things and you're getting all these praises or whatever it is from other people, it still doesn't hit home for you. So when you, yep. when you, were talking about the depression and then the anxiety, ADHD, then the bipolar diagnosis, and then all of this kind of evolving and blending together. And I can't even imagine what that would be like to have a husband who's gone deployed and you're, you're home, you're by yourself and you can mask it and hide it. Cause you're not around family and people is often all the time. Did you feel like going through that period of time until present day where you are now, I'd love to hear from you about what actually did make a difference in terms of support. Or did you really honestly feel like I really didn't feel like I had it back then, even though you might have.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't like, I ha- my best friend has been so supportive through everything. And so I would say like, that has been a huge piece for me where even if she didn't realize it at the time, like I always had her to fall back on with, you know, calling and talking and stuff and. But for the most part, I felt very lonely and, and because there was much more going on. So like also, and you know, I, I had talked to my husband before I did this and I was like, Hey, like, is there certain things I can share? Because it's part of my story, but you know, it's his story too, but my husband's a recovering alcoholic Mm -hmm. and during all this, he was in the depths of alcoholism. And so it was like everything was just in my life, was just chaos, pure chaos. So then to get like these diagnoses on top of it, I think part of it for me too, what was easy is I could almost justify not learning my diagnosis and stuff because I could blame a lot on him Mm. because of his addiction. You know, when he, when he was drinking stuff, it was like, oh, well, I'm angry because he's drinking, or I'm, you know, happy because he's not drinking where, yeah, some of those emotions played a role, but I feel like it was easy for me to put attention onto him and his problems Mm -hmm. instead of acknowledging my problems. Wow.
0: I feel like, especially being willing to share that and talk about being a recovering alcoholic, but then acknowledging your emotions and tying it to the experiences you guys are having together in your relationship and how that's playing such a big role. Cause I know that's something that runs in my family as well. Alcoholism on both sides. And I've taught, has so many conversations with people who talk about this and the way substances, and especially with whether you also have bipolar or you are in a relationship with someone, just the, the impact that can have on just the way you're feeling. And then I'm feeling this because of you're drinking or you're not. And I feel like it, it can make it harder to separate, well, what's really the bipolar or the anxiety or what's really even me, or how do I find myself in all of this? And how do I one support myself two, support us in our relationship? And then three, you know, show up for, cause you, at the time you only had one daughter, right? This, yep. and then another part that you mentioned in before we hit record was just navigating marriage with bipolar. And that's something that th- that's a topic, especially for me that I'm always interested in because I know I'm about to be celebrating my one year wedding anniversary. I'm pretty new into marriage and navigating all this together. I'm always learning, continuously learning. And I know you share that same sentiment as we're never going to be done learning, but I would love to hear, was there a moment specifically for you guys where it was almost like a breaking point happened either on your end or his, or what was it that you feel like finally made you feel supported in the relationship in ways that you maybe might not have previously?
1: I think, so he, he's actually coming up on five years sober uh, now. And so I think, and we've been together. So we're coming up on 18 years together in July. So we, and we started as, as kids. And so, you know, that in itself makes things hard uh, when you start out so young, but I really think what happened is it was about five years ago and we were both just at a point where it was like either we learn to live together and do this together with, you know, you need to work on you, I need to work on me so that we can help each other and be like a team. Like it isn't going to work. And I think age is a big part of that. You know, you get wiser as you get older, but it really came down to, we both kind of got to this point with each other where like with his drinking, I was just like, I don't care what you do with your life. And he was kind of at the same point with me. Like, I don't care what you, and then it was like, wait, we're not these people. Like we are so in our own worlds. And it's like, it's kind of the whole, like, you should get off the pot. Like, you know, <laughs> make a decision here. And and we did. And we were like, you know, we love each other. We We've been going through life for a long time and he decided to get sober and I decided to learn about, you know, started the process of learning about my bipolar and my diagnosis. I didn't take it seriously though, until 2022. So it's relatively fresh still for me, but he definitely pulled, uh, you know, the weight on his side and he did, he got sober and that made a world of difference because it also forced me to not, I didn't have anyone to blame anymore. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, I couldn't sit there and be like, well, you're the reason why well, I've been angry and in bed for a week. And it's like, no, because he decided to work on himself. And mm-hmm. so it, it did get to a point where I realized like the only person that can help me was me. He wow. can support me all he wants, but like, I have to be the one to make the choice.
0: Yeah. Especially when you talk about the, the only person, but being in that relationship. And I love that perspective. Cause I feel like I try to take that same approach of with anything that you're struggling with, any of those obstacles that come up in that and saying, I will take accountability for my part. You take accountability for your part. And that just makes me so happy to hear that, that you talk about five years of sobriety. That's huge. Coming up on 18 years together. I know you said you guys were together when you were how old again? It was high school.
1: Yeah, so we we actually literally, we, we went to school together from the age of nine. And when I was 10 years old, my mom remembers me. I came home and I was like, I'm going to marry him. And I really did. I mean, I was determined. So, but this time we've been together since we were, we were 17, had just turned 17. See, I think that's
0: the, something so beautiful, because I know it's so rare to see people who are together for such a long-term and stay together and weather the storms. And that's a huge thing, especially dealing with bipolar, alcoholism, military life, and just navigating all of these things together. But Being able to have that, because I know for me, that's a big, big thing in my stability is having a supportive partner. Because I know the times when I didn't have that and it would be again, like the same thing, excuses of falling back on. Well, I'm not happy because I don't have this relationship. And then it would kind of get into this negative thing of like, love isn't real. It doesn't last. And I really relate to what you were saying, because especially when you say you started to learn about bipolar, because I feel like that was, that is a lot of like how my approach was. I was like, well, you know, I'll start. You know, looking at some things online, doing some research, reading some things, but it didn't really hit home for me until about when I first met Dan. So five years ago is when I started to be serious about doing the work, but I feel like we all have those wake up moments where it's the breakdown and someone calling you out and saying, this isn't going to work if these patterns keep happening. And really, like you said, knowing that I am the only one who can do the work and pull the weight for myself, someone else can call it out all day long. But if I'm not willing to control what I can, there are certain things that you necessarily can't, but really yeah. to restructure that. And I'd love to see what do you do today to maintain? Cause I know obviously there's still going to be things that can resurface and come up. What is helpful? If you can give me maybe like the top two things that help you maintain the progress that you've made so far
1: in, in your relationship in navigating bipolar. I think for me is, is the biggest thing is talking, which I love to do. So I don't struggle there. Like I, I talk, I, when I'm struggling and it helps to have a supportive partner. And I think that that is something I'm very fortunate to have because I've, I see that a lot of people don't get that, but like my husband knows like, and I'm comfortable just telling him like, Hey, I feel myself slipping is normally what I'll say. And like one time he said the sweetest thing ever to me, I'd said, you know, I was like, I was starting to go into a depression. I said, I feel like I'm two miles deep in my head. And he says, let's start taking, walking one mile back. And so it's, you know, he refers to it as like, let's do this. We can do this. You know, what can I help you with? Um, When I'm hypomanic, like, you know, he, he, he'll, mention it. sometimes I don't notice even though I'm like doing all these projects and doing all the things and you know he'll bring it up like hey wow you're like doing a lot right now Everything's going okay so talking to me is like a huge one and I'm a huge advocate for medication uh medication is a huge thing for me and I you know I I can't speak for everyone but that has helped me maintain stability it is such a big important factor and and I've struggled with it a little bit lately because I used to be um, really into fitness. I, I'd gotten into it. I had joined a gym and became a spin instructor. I loved it. And then we moved out here to Arizona, and I, I haven't gotten back into it. And then I got on new medication, and so I started like you know, I gaining weight, not doing as much, and so I struggled a little bit with that. That, but the trade-off is still worth
0: it. Exactly what you say. The two points of talking about it is helpful in medication. Cause I remember when you mentioned earlier, right. You talk about that 10 year period of trying to manage and do it without medication. And I I definitely had that same thing. And I remember there's been people who've told me actually, who are like, you should go off that you're doing so well. You don't need it forever. Maybe it's, and I've definitely, and I did for what, for, it was only once that I did go off for three month period. And then it was like, crying out of nowhere, definitely noticing the signs. And I'm like, I'm never doing that again. So I think it's, (laughs) I think it's hard. And I really love that you say that because I feel like that helps to take it away from people who might have shame about, Hey, maybe I'm newly diagnosed and you know, I'm not sure what medication works for me, or I'm trying out different things. And it's pretty frustrating. And I feel like I'm noticing symptoms in myself. I know I've talked with a lot of people who share that same thing of saying, Hey, like, I used to do this before and I don't feel the same energy. I'm gaining weight, but I'm in such a better place. And that's exactly what I feel like I noticed in myself when I found the medication that worked for me. I found the support network talking about these things and I share exactly the same sentiment too. And again, something that I think is really amazing is I was excited when I found out we both lived in Arizona because I talk to people like they're all over the world, and it's not always so common that I know. I know some people here, I do, but not not so many people who also live with bipolar. And yeah, you know, being able to meet in person, and I'm so excited for you to start sharing your story with Nami, <laughs> and I can't wait. You guys were actually doing one tomorrow, so I can't wait to just watch Birdie get into these. These conversations are going to be so life changing for so many people. But I want to ask you when you think of the name of this podcast, so Live Well Bipolar, what does that look like
1: at this point in your life for you? To me, it looks like, you know. it's, it's living. I mean, exactly what, what it is. It's you're learning to live with it and know that you can be just like anybody else. You can have a marriage, you can have kids, you can have a career, you can have success, you can be like anybody else, if you want to, I mean, I I don't always want to be like everybody, but like (laughs) there's success in this and, and it's not a defining thing. It's not a death sentence. It doesn't have to be like, you know, I know when I first found out that that's what I thought I was like, what, like, no one's going to take me seriously. No one's going to hire me. No one's going to, and, and it's like, no, I, I feel like uh, it might be taboo to say, but like, I feel like I've lived a fairly successful life. And even with, uh, you know, a mental health disorder. And I want people to know, like, you can, we, we have to try a little harder. We have to navigate things a little differently, but it is so possible to be in love, to do all these things. And, and that's what I'd want people to know. Like you can do this. Oh my gosh.
0: I'm just sitting here taking all of that in. Cause I feel like that's exactly the same sentiment that I share, because I felt the same way as you. I remember when you said the word death sentence, that's how I felt when I was in the hospital and I got the packet and the papers and bipolar, and it was the family history and all the things that were coming up. And it was just the hopelessness, the loss, feeling overwhelmed, stressed. And like you said, who's going to hire me? Who's going to want to be in a relationship with me? Who's going to want to be my friend? And all of these, these questions we have, but really being able to say that, you have a lived experience you've gone through it you've been in the ugly you've been in the mess you've seen the beauty you've seen the good sides of it and like you say you can do these things that we often think that we can't have or when we think of what a successful life entails and what those things are really being able to like you said it's 100 percent possible it's not always going to be the easiest path we need to put in some more work to prioritize our mental health along the way but I really love that you mentioned that. And especially, like you said, being in love is possible, raising a family, having a home, all of these things that I know I told myself that I would never be able to have or do one day. It's really just, you are actually becoming everything that you told yourself you never would. You are now that person and you are now that person that others can look to and say, because Birdie can do it. I can do it. And I think that's so beautiful. And another thing I want to ask you too, I know that you are currently in the works of writing your story. So (laughs) what's next on the horizon for you in terms of what you're doing right now at this point in your life to continue to manage that?
1: So I, I wrote a book um, and I it's, I'm so excited. I actually did um, a lot of it during my depression and, and when I had my breakdown and so oddly enough, I feel like it's the best work that I could do because it was such real raw emotions and it is a fiction book but it's you know based off real experiences and so I'm hoping that that's gonna be coming out here in the next couple months. Um, it's right at the end of editing phase and so I I've been writing since I was a kid so to actually complete it was such a huge, Thing for me to like be able to say like wow I wrote a book like <laughs> I mean even to the point like obviously you know as an author we want people to buy it but like I wrote a book so even if it's like my family I can still say like I actually completed it and I did it and you know so that that's a big one for me um I'm also starting to work on um I'd actually talked about this on Shaley's podcast uh but I had started a thing called the five phases of bipolar. And it's just the different phases that we moved that I felt like I moved through. And so that's something that's coming up too. And then of course, because of your post talking about NAMI, uh, now speaking for NAMI. And it it's funny because this is where I'm talking about with the anxiety. I'm an extrovert, but man, I've never been so nervous about like getting up and, and doing this. And I've always wanted to do public speaking. And so it's like, this is like, you know, dipping my toes into it. And I'm really excited about it. I'm nervous. I'm not going to lie. Like I'm super nervous, but I want to one day be on a stage and, and front of people and talk about this stuff and normalize it and, and have it to where people can walk away and feel like they're not alone.
0: I'm so excited for you for just everything you said, the book, the five phases of bipolar, you talk about the speaking with NAMI. And I'm so glad that I was able to help get that connected. In. And I know tomorrow is going to be amazing because it's the first one that you're doing. So we'll be there together. Yes. <laughs> I'll be doing the, the intro and then introducing. And I'm so excited because I know I felt the exact same way. I was pretty similar to you being very extroverted, but then even though it's virtual or in person, yeah. or whatever it is, I felt that same thing. And I think the first step is doing it, getting out of your comfort yep. zone saying, I'm going to try this. I'm going to do it. I've never done it. I don't know how it's going to go, but I have that belief in myself and I know I have a story and a message. So I'm so excited for that and for the story, for your book. And I feel the exact same way. It's like when you're going through writing something so personal and so near to your heart, and especially you talk about being in that depression and, and putting that out in the world and having that be something that someone can hold on to and really say, wow, this is what I needed to read right now. So I cannot wait for all that is to come for you this year. And I'm I'm so excited to just connect with you and get to share your story and these experiences and so many things that you shared on the episode today of just navigating the diagnosis and anxiety, ADHD and and working on your relationship with your husband, that communication and just seeing the amazing timeline you guys have had together and then being a mother and all the different transitions you've had in your time and all of this stuff. I know it's going to be such a help to so many. So I want to thank you for making the time to come out here and share these experiences, get into these important topics with me. And I can't wait to share this with the world. And I can't wait for tomorrow to share your story again. Yes. So, well, thank
1: you so much for having me.
0: Awesome. And again, you guys, thank you again for being here, for tuning in, whether you're doing the work for yourself or for someone you love, you are making a difference. And I want you to know that. And I'm going to say bye to everybody. So bye guys. And bye Birdie. See you guys later. Bye. Bye.